morning, Church Project. How's everyone doing? Well, hey, I'm glad that you're here. Everyone's looking good. I'm surprised we're not out in our shorts, uh, you know, getting a suntan, enjoying the beautiful weather. But welcome. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, um, my name is Aaron, and I'm going to be teaching us today, I think, a, a really good message that, that God's given us. And we're going through the book of James. And we're going to look at James chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. That's right. We're going to get through three verses today. At Church Project, we go through an entire book, and it's called Expository Teaching. We just take a verse at a time. We're no rush to get through the Bible. It's a, it's a big book, big Bible with a lot of verses. And I feel like in our entire lifetime, we could go a verse by verse and never get through the whole thing. Like There's so much truth that are found in scriptures, and we want to base our lives off of this truth. So if you have your Bible, open it up to James chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible in, a, in the rows next to you or over on the lamps on either side. And if you have one of those Bibles, it's the blue ones. It's on page 699 that we'll start today. Hey, I just want to say, if, if, uh, if you're a first-time guest, there's a response card on your chair, and if you would, fill out your name, number, and email, and put it in our fancy tithe box, which is a Kleenex box back there, and every week we send out emails just kind of saying what God's doing and events and things that are going on at Church Project, so that's a really good way to know what's going on. Uh, so let me read James chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, and then we'll get into the message today, so let's read it. James 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blasphemy and the honorable name by which you were called? Wow. You ready for this? So yesterday, Jerry and I uh, were able to go down to the, the high school state championship match down at the Pepsi Center uh, yesterday. And as we were driving down there, one of the conversations we were talking about, because we were going by the stadium, you know, the Broncos stadium, you want to know who the Broncos are? We're driving, we're dri- we're driving by the stadium and, and Jerry just starts talking and, and says, you know, it's amazing that the Denver Broncos are the world champions, right? World champions. We won the Super Bowl. You can hoot, holler, there you go, all right. Okay, some of us excited, some of us were still pouting, but that's okay. Uh, so Denver Broncos are the world champions. They're, they're the best team in the world, like the best in the world at playing football. And it's crazy that on the heels of the greatest win, we already have started to disconnect ourselves and the conversations have begun to be about next year. We, 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 we've already stopped celebrating and we're already moving on and complaining. Like, we're, we're the best team in the world. Is it even a month old? When was it? Three weeks ago? Like, Denver two weeks ago? Wow. And already, if you're listening to talk radio or whatever, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're the best. We won the Super Bowl. Let's talk about next year. It's like, and, and we're moving on. Who will be the next quarterback? Who will get signed for how much money? And, and I just want to ask this. Can we just pause and celebrate? <laughs> hey. Best team in the world. That's something we're celebrating, isn't it? And this happens when our future is uncertain. 
It's not certain that the Broncos will be the best team in the world next year. That would be impressive. But this often happens that we don't pause and we don't celebrate enough because our future is uncertain. This also happens when our identity is about our performance. I want to stop on that one. This also happens, our inability to pause and reflect and to celebrate and to be in the moment when our identity is found in what we're doing and it's in our, in our performance more than who we are. So obviously, the Broncos can be the Super Bowl champions, best team in the world today, but if they don't hit that mark next year, what's everyone going to say about the Broncos? You can win the Super Bowl, and it's never enough. And I wonder if us as Christians, we do this, 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 we do this. Like God comes in and he does incredible things in our lives. We get to experience some amazing things. We might even be healed of things. Like who knows what God's doing and moving in our life. And we get to this point where it's like, okay, cool. And we move on and we never pause and we never reflect and we never say thank you. And we're never in the moment. And I just want to ask, is it because we're basing our Christianity on our performance, on what people can see on the outside, rather than what's on the inside? And as James is is reading and he's teaching us and God is revealing his truth to us in these verses, look how it starts in verse 5. Remember, James is writing to a bunch of Christians. He's writing to the church. People that that say, "I, I follow Christ with my life. And James is writing to those people. The people that are getting persecuted and they're, they're going out and the church is growing through them. So keep that in mind. James is writing to believers at this point. And he says, listen, my beloved brothers. So a reminder, he's writing to believers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in their faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? And he's writing to Christians, and he's saying, has God not chosen? The tension here, the tension that we see here in verse 5, and in these three verses right here, is this passage is a lofty idea. Because we come across this word in the middle of verse 5 that says, heirs. And the tension in this passage, and this lofty idea, is that it's saying that the, the heirs are the poor ones. Poor, poor. How do you say that? Poor ones. And I don't know about the reality you live in and the world that you live in, but in 2015, this is the world that, and, the, and how I see the world. Um, when we come across this word heirs, we often have images like, okay, the weddings are, built, are, are viewed by billions of people when we're talking about heirs of the throne, Right? We're talking about people by name that they're going to fall into greatness or whatever it may be. And so their their weddings are viewed by billions. People cry and obsess over what heirs are wearing and where they go and what they name their baby. Like this is what I know about, about being an heir to something great and grand. The world that I see shows us that to be an heir and what we're moving into, the greatness, comes from the elite, the bloodline. Now this one will move into a prince that will move into a king, an heir of the throne. And so the lofty idea here 
is confronted with the reality of what I see and what I live. And then when God is saying, God has chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, I have some tension there. Do you? Let's recap what James is saying here. He's saying, God chose you. God loves you. Amen. How does he work in that? I have no idea. Why would he choose me? I have no idea. And, and, and it says, God chose you. And, and it says, goes on, those who are poor. And I want to point out the are poor. That means they continue to be poor. They continue to realize that without Christ, they're nothing. They continue to focus on Christ and not on themselves. And so it says this, let's unpack it. It says, my brothers, Christians, here, has not God chosen? He picked those who are poor, continuing in being poor. And when it says that, the poor, it's those who put their trust in God, not in material wealth. He's chosen those that are poor, those who trust in God, not in material wealth, to be the heir of his kingdom. You want that in a street language? I thought about bringing my hat, my flat build, throwing it to the side, but I look terrible on hats, so I won't do that. So here's my street language of what James, or what James is saying. He's saying, your swagger, I like that word. I'm so, I'm, I'm so ghetto. <laughs> Your swagger. They're like, come on, that's not street language. Old man trying to do street language. Okay. Your swagger. <laughs> I like that word. Oh, sorry. Let's go on past that. <laughs> One more time. Can I try? Your swagger. Okay. Comes, comes from the fact that uh, you have a name. Your swagger comes from the fact that you have a name. Represent that name. Get it tattooed on your shoulders. I'm so ghetto. Get it tattooed on your shoulders, on your back. Wear it proud. Never forget where you came from. You mess with me, you mess with my family. (laughs) It's about who you are. It's about the name that you wear. That's the best I got right there. I think we get it when James is talking. It's about the name that we carry, being an heir. It's great. Man, that's grand. Psalms 116.6 says this. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I want to say that again because some of us need to be reminded of that today as we sit here. That we're heirs. God has chosen us. He loves us for those that are continuing to be poor in him and looking to God for who he is as he works out their salvation and grows us to be more like him. Some of us, we need to hear this today. Psalms 116.6. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I'm an heir of a king. Like, it's in my bloodline. Let me tattoo it on my back. Let me walk with that swagger. Like, I know it's not because of what I've done or haven't done, but it's because I have a name. The name of Jesus is all over me as an heir of a king. That's where we find our strength. God said, 
live more out of our inheritance and less out of our circumstances. And when we think about that, it's reassuring. And when we think about that, it also nudges me to live more out of my inheritance and less out of my circumstances. Because even this last week, there were circumstances I didn't know how to control, that were out of control. And I can guarantee moving into this next week, there's going to be things that happen that circumstantially could get me sucking my thumb and crying like a baby that's being defeated. And God says, live more out of your inheritance and less out of your circumstances. Because I've chosen you. Because you're poor. You're poor. Not, not in material wealth is what we're talking about. But you're poor in that you don't hold yourself in high regards. You're not walking around going, uh, look at me and look what I've done. But you're saying, look at God and look at what he's done. And look at how much he loves me. And because of that, I'm an heir of a king. Church, what would it look like if we lived more out of our inheritance and less out of our circumstances? An inheritance we have because God has declared it. Nothing that we've done on our part except lock eyes with him and call out for him and say, God, rescue me and save me. And it's an inheritance we have because God has declared it so. It's crazy to think that God, through his son Jesus, says, with Jesus, we're co-heirs with Christ. So this person that we study in the Bible, Jesus, this this grand figure that we try to model our life off of, and, and we say we want to reflect our lives so it looks more like Jesus as we reflect God's glory. This figure that we study, we're co heirs with him. That means we're equal, which means this whatever Christ has, we can have. Oh, we're going into some weird places, aren't we? Whatever Christ has, we can have. Think about it. The joy level of Christ, there's no reason if we're co-heirs of Christ that we can't have that same joy that Christ had. That's one word, joy. We are co-heirs. The, the level of joy that Christ had, we can have it. The same level of hope that Christ had, we can have that. The same level of peace that Christ had and lived with and walked with and died with, we can have that. The same strength that Christ had as he walked to this earth and, and lived as full deity and full humanity. He lived and walked and he modeled and he said, I have it and you can have it as co-heirs of Christ. The calm that Christ had. We can have that. It's our inheritance. But yet sometimes we just walk around out of circumstances, not declaring and not proclaiming that we're an heir of Christ. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Church, this week, as we walk and we walk in our inheritance and we stay poor, humble in spirit, focused on Christ, calling out to him, we run to Christ, as it says in Proverbs 18.10, because his name, he is a strong tower. And the righteous man and woman, we run to him and we find our identity in Christ, not in our circumstances. We have an inheritance because God has declared it. That's good news. That's the best news. Because if it had to do with my actions, whether I was going to have an inheritance or not, count me out. Count me out. But simply because Christ declared me his co-heir, 
we can accept that and walk in that. As a co-heir, as one that has an inheritance in Christ, when we speak, all of heaven listens. Do you think of that? When we speak, all of heaven listens. We have the ear and the heart of God. He is listening. He wants to know. He wants to communicate. He wants to be in relationship with us. But yet Satan loves to throw circumstances our way that gets us thinking about us. And even maybe, even as James is is teaching us here, chasing after material things and judging other people and letting pride come up in our way or whatever it may be, Satan wants to have us focus more on our circumstances than the truth that God has declared us co-heirs. And heirs of an almighty throne. This is beautiful. Not only do we have the name and the swagger. Come on. I got a laugh last time over there. Not only do we have the name and do we have the swagger. But we also have the clout to declare ourselves ambassadors of a king. Child of a king. It's not just a name. It's also a title. And it's also a position. And it's very, very beautiful. All right. You want me to bring it, bring it close to home for us? Let me, let me drop it into last night. Jerry and I again. Jerry and I again in the Pepsi Center. Anyone go down to the, to the wrestling last night? No? Not a lot of rest, wrestlers in here? Okay. So we go to the Pepsi Center. I don't know how many. I think they said 45,000 people, you know, just in, in this place. I mean, huge. Every wrestler in, for all divisions, 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, they all come to this tournament. And last night was the, the championship round for all the schools. So, I mean, it's, there's so much energy in that place. And last night, the Pepsi Center, everyone stood up and started applauding a little tiny 2A school over here. You know, two A school, those small ones that no one remembers. Everyone, the entire Pepsi Center started standing up and just standing ovation because as we watched that two A school guy get his fourth state championship title. So he was he was state champions for four years in a row, and the whole Pepsi Center stood up and just started clapping, and you could you could feel the energy in that place. And we know the name. We've watched, the wrestling community has watched this name for years as this individual, this guy has been wrestling and, and going strong and accomplished his fourth title. I mean, we know the name. And it kind of reminds me of the third A, the, the 3A match that I was there to watch. The Flanagans come to church here and, and they're sleeping in right now because they've had a busy week. But they come to church here and, and maybe you've seen Josh and McCoy come in. If not, they look a little bit like me, like just buff, like boom. You know, go through the door sideways, all that stuff. That's Josh and McCoy. So we're there, and we're, we're cheering them on. And Josh, I, I think he's a sophomore, I, I think. He gets third place. He tears it up. And the McCoy breaks a state record last night, and he goes 51-0. and 0. He, didn't win a, he didn't lose a match all all year, and he gets, he gets state champion last night, you know, and the whole place is just, woo, 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 you know, everyone's just, just screaming and going crazy for, 
for Valley, and everyone, you know, was just having a good time there. But here's the deal. I was a wrestler, and I know that that whoever comes up next year and goes into a bracket and they see the last name Flanagan, it strikes like terror immediately. Like, oh, no, I've heard of the Flanagans, like McCoy and Josh and... You know, it just strikes fear immediately because of a name, because of a recognition. Christian. Christian. An heir of the kingdom of, of God Almighty. We've got it. We've got it by title, by name. We've got it by clout, by position. And James is writing us, and he's saying, saying, listen, my my beloved brothers, has God not chosen you? Those who are poor that continually look at Christ and seek after him, poor in this world to be rich in faith, to be heirs of the king, which he has promised to those who love him. And then it continues and says, but you have dishonored the poor man and are... Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? James is writing. He's saying the, the poor believers are not the, only the ones who will be saved, but they, above all, demonstrate God's gracious saving work. That God would go and say, I've chosen you. Someone that is as weak as you are. I've chosen you. Someone that has sinned just as much as you and I have. I've chosen you. And will you accept my calling as I prod into your heart and in your life? And will you lock eyes with me? Because I want you. I am pursuing you. And as God redeems the poor, the world goes, how beautiful is that? Of course, the rich, everyone wants to be around the rich person, right? They might buy you lunch. What can the rich person do for me? Come sit here. Let me lift you high, rich person. And God's saying here in James, this isn't even about a money thing. It's about a heart positioning thing. I've chosen those that are poor in spirit because they think less of themselves and more of me, and they lift me high. And when we come into this place, and James is writing us in this place as we sit here today. And what this context communicates is that this fellowship that we're in is impossible. This right here is impossible. When we think high of ourselves and less of other people and less of God. The act of special attention to the rich is the very act of neglecting the poor. And when we come in here, church, my prayer is that we would look each other in the eyes. We'd spur each other on to love and good deeds. We'd remind each other that without Christ, we're nothing. But with Christ, we have an inheritance of his glorious kingdom. And let's move and walk and live out of that inheritance and less out of our circumstances. Let's declare what Jesus declares. Let's begin to believe that. Let's begin to walk with that. And let's stop acting defeated.
as we move forward, lifting high the name of Christ. Amen? That's it. That's all I got. I think that's enough. I hope you talk about it during your house churches. Because there's also this tension that I go with of how do we declare this kingdom? And how do we de- declare being an heir of a king? And yet, and, and declare all these promises that he's given us, but yet at the same time being humble in spirit about it? That's a good question for your house churches, so I won't even tackle it right now. <laughs> but I would ask this. I'm going to ask us if we would just close our Bibles and, and close our notes. And there's enough here that I believe that if the Spirit is showing you something, you already know what he's showing you. And so can we take just a moment just to be silent in this place? If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you with your, with your palms up in just a humble position. And just say, God, I, I'm willing to receive anything you want to show me. And God, anything that I'm holding on to that doesn't line up with your word, I, I place that in my hand and I give it to you as well, God. Like in this place, and would you just pray, in this place, God, would you please reveal yourself to me, speak to me. Some of us in this room, we come in for the very first time and this message seems a little strange and and a little odd. What you've encountered of a king is a dictatorship. What you've been shown in this world is a dictatorship. I command you to do this. It doesn't sit well with you. And what we've experienced in this world is that the rich get the high places. The powerful get the accolades. And so in the tension of what we heard this morning, that God chose and continues to run after those that are poor and he lifts them up to noble places, it's hard for us to fathom. Would you ask God to reveal himself to you, show you who he is? To begin to heal your dark places, your wounded areas, where you honestly haven't been walking in inheritance, but you've been walking in defeat. And ask God to show you how much he loves you today. God, I pray for every one of us that your spirit would be moving in this place. For some, prodding us to give our lives to you for the very first time today, to surrender control of our lives. To say, God, here's my life, take it. Use it, direct me. God, for some of us in this place, it's been a while since we've been reminded and we've actually walked in the reality that we have an inheritance in you, that you can fulfill, that you do want to heal, that you do want to move us forward as we reflect your glory because it feels a little selfish. God, I pray in this place that whoever is in need, that they would call out to you. 
God, fill these dark places, fill these voids, fill these addictions, fill whatever it may be. May you begin to pour yourself into me and make me more like you, God. Heal this pain, heal this hurt. Remind me that I am a child of a king most high. Give me me that name and give me that clout and let me move throughout my days as I point to you, your greatness and who you are. And God, I pray over every one of us in this room with the title Christian, that call ourselves Christians, a follower of Christ. I pray over us a boldness this week that we would wake up early and we would lock our eyes and our heart and our mind with you, God that we would find our identity in you first and foremost in the stillness of the beginning parts of the day, God. We would know what you're asking of us for the day. That God, in that sweet, small, quiet spot where we individually are locking our eyes with you, you would prompt us with the boldness to move throughout our day with our head lifted high as we declare an inheritance, an heir of a king. And when we encounter need and hurt and pain and disappointment, may we act different. May we stand in those places with truth and hope and joy and healing and love. May we speak to our coworkers in different ways. May we encourage our enemies and love them. May we boldly stand as we point to Jesus with our life, with our words, with our actions, with our deeds. God, may we love much. May we love much. May we not be full of pride, as we judge people. But may we pull up chairs next to us and say, sit here, my friend, my brother. Let me show you the love of Christ. Regardless of what is going on in your life, may I speak hope and love and healing in those places. Church, when we're encountered with such a lovely and beautiful message, I don't know how else to respond other than worshiping God. Saying, God, thank you. Thank you for who you are, what you've done. May my heart respond to this. May my life respond to this.